Thank you, choir. Before we hear God's word read to us, this good news, let's take a moment to pray. Holy Spirit, as wild and gentle as you are, we pray that you would meet us here today as we hear God's word read, that these words would speak to our hearts and you would open our hearts and our ears to listen what good word you have for us today. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Hear these words from Acts 10. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision he had seen and suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. Hear this continuation of the story starting at verse 24. The following day they came to Caesarea Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, I am only a mortal. And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. 
And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I shall not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for you, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you have sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon a tanner by the sea. Therefore I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread through Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did in both Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us, Spirit of the 
wash on us. Holy Spirit, we pray that as we reflect on the good word that you have given us today, you may be stirring in our hearts, melting us, molding us, and filling us, that we may live lives that follow you. Amen. At the center of our scripture passage today, there are two men. In one corner, we have Peter, an apostle of Jesus and a Jew. And in the other corner, we have Cornelius, a Roman centurion and a Gentile. The identity of these two men is so important for understanding the significance of the scripture story today. Here's the lowdown. Peter is a Jew and Cornelius is a Gentile, and Jews and Gentiles don't mix. But, as you heard in the story, the Holy Spirit makes a new way, expanding the circle of who is in and who is out in the family of God. So what's the big deal with Jews and Gentiles and why don't they mix? Let me tell you just a little bit of Bible history. In the beginning of the Bible, we learn that God chose to reveal God's self to one particular human family. It started with a man named Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens. God would be with them and would give them a land to live in. And in return, Abraham's family would follow God and honor God's laws. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob got into a midnight wrestling match with an angel from God. This angel gives Jacob a blessing and a new name, Israel, which ironically means wrestler with God. This is how the biblical nation of Israel was born, which is different than the state of Israel today. God chose to reveal God's self initially to a certain people, a family. God gave them specific laws to follow, the Ten Commandments, and then a whole bunch of other little laws in Leviticus. These Levitical laws included things like how to care for one another, how to perform religious ceremonies, and even what types of food to eat. There were certain types of food like shellfish and pigs that would make the Israelite people, quote, unclean if they ate them. Now, you may be wondering, why did God give all these smattering of little laws? I like to think of it as a loving parent laying the boundaries for one's children. In these laws, God was setting the Israelites up for success in their religious and daily laws, daily lives. These laws governed both the big and the small in their identity and set them apart as God's people. So in one corner, we have the Jews or the Israelites, and in the other corner, we have the Gentiles. The word Gentile literally means, quote, of the nations. In other words, it's everyone outside this covenant family of Israel. 
Gentiles at the time of Jesus were considered to be unclean because they didn't follow all of these little laws of Moses. Jews could even become unclean if they entered a Gentile home. So all this to say Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. They certainly didn't associate with each other. Peter and Cornelius are an unlikely pair to meet from the get-go. To make waters worse, Cornelius was a Roman centurion. In the eyes of the Jewish people, Cornelius was a sellout to the state, probably the last person that Peter would have thought the Holy Spirit would come to. But the Holy Spirit was working breaking the human-made boundaries and stereotypes that keep some people in the inside circle and some people on the outside circle. Peter had a dream. It's quite a humorous dream if you think of it, a giant blanket of animals being lowered down from the heavens. In the words of Pastor Garrett, we know that Peter was having pigs in a blanket for lunch that day. I thought that was a good one. I had to include it. <laughs> the passage actually doesn't tell us what kind of animals were in the blanket specifically, but we know that whatever animals were in there, they were considered unclean according to Jewish laws. So how do we know this? Because Peter says so. Three times God tells Peter to get up, kill, and eat. But Peter says no because he's worried about breaking a religious code. God's answer is perplexing. God says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. I have some empathy here for Peter's confusion. Could you imagine having followed a religious law all your life, and then suddenly God seems to be opening up a different way. I would be confused and resistant myself. I wonder if Peter was thinking, is God going back on God's law? Is God doing something new? Poor Peter is so confused and perplexed that he doesn't follow God's instructions to eat. No pigs in a blanket for Peter that day. Peter barely had time to think about this before two visitors showed up at his door and invite him to go visit Cornelius. Peter goes. He goes. And this is truthfully surprising to me because Peter still seems skeptical and resistant to this new thing that God is doing. Even when Peter crosses the threshold of Cornelius' home, he admits that he wouldn't have come today unless the Spirit made him. He says this, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anything profane or unclean. So I came without objection. Here's my colloquial translation of this line of Peter's. Y'all are a little shady and unclean, but God made me come, so I'm here. It's only when Peter sees and witnesses the Spirit's work among the Gentiles that he himself has a change of heart. 
As Peter is preaching to Cornelius and his family about Jesus, the Spirit falls upon Cornelius and his family. Peter is amazed and exclaims, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? This story proclaims to us that the Holy Spirit is in the business of expanding the borders of the family of God. God does not abolish that first family, but God expands the table. No longer are there religious ins and outs, and who can receive the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? Race, religious codes, political affiliation, none of the above can prevent those who love Jesus from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit expands the picture of who is in the covenant family of God. Rachel Held Evans is a famous Christian writer who just recently passed away, and she writes this. The church is God saying, I'm throwing a banquet, and all these mismatched, messed-up people are invited. Here, have some wine. You see, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he created a new covenant of grace and reconciliation. No longer is being in the family of God about being perfect or keeping all the rules. No longer is being in the family of God about making sure we have everything right and together. We have entry into God's family through the grace of God and the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a gift that who comes to new believers who love and follow Jesus. The story in Acts tells us that the Spirit comes not to the religious elite or the perfect in heart, but to all who have sincere love and desire to follow Jesus. This is huge, especially for Peter who had grown up thinking one way, and then God made a different way. The theologian Justo Gonzalez entitles this story the conversion of Peter rather than the conversion of Cornelius. Peter's heart had to be reopened and renewed to see the direction that God was working. The moment of Peter's conversion is not when he receives head knowledge or not even when he receives a spiritual revelation and dream. Peter has his own conversion when he witnesses the work of the Spirit in the lives of believers with his own eyes. It's easy to be hard on Peter in this story. Gosh, how dense and bigoted can he be? But the truth is, Peter was following God's command the best he knew at the time, following the old laws and Jewish religious regulations. Peter was so concerned with religious law-keeping and the cultural ins and outs that he was not looking for the new way that the Spirit was moving. The truth is, I don't think that we're that different from Peter. Sometimes we're so focused on the beautiful family that we have that we don't look for the ways that the Spirit may be working 
in surprising ways outside of us in our immediate community? Who are the groups of people that we often label as other or not welcome fit for church? Would we be readily welcome into our midst people who are homeless, people with different abilities, people of different faiths? Or what other groups of people can you think of we might be resistant to? Do we readily look for the Spirit of God at work in the lives of our enemies, those whom we disagree with, or who have different theological or political convictions than we do? Is it possible that we too, like Peter, need to experience the Holy Spirit's conversion in our hearts, opening us up to new possibilities where the Spirit might be moving and going? Something I noticed about the story of Peter is that he had to go outside of his comfort zone to see where the Spirit was working. He had to go displace himself into the home of someone who he labeled as other. And it was a place where he would be considered unclean. I think this movement of Peter is a metaphor for us. Sometimes we have to move outside of our comfort level, our circle, our home, even our places of worship, to see where the Holy Spirit may be on the move outside of us. When Peter does go outside his comfort zone. He witnesses the work of the Holy Spirit and is able to participate in that himself as he baptizes Cornelius and his family. As you listen to this story today, where do you find yourself in the story? Perhaps today, as you listen to this story and facts, you feel like you have been an outsider of some kind. A misfit that has never been welcome at the table of God's grace. If that is you today, hear the Spirit saying, come, you are welcome just as you are. Or perhaps today, as you listen to the story, you identify more with Peter. You already know the work of God's Spirit within you, but you're curious to see where the Spirit is working in your neighbors and in the world. If this is you today, I pray that God gives you the courage to go, to move outside your comfort zone and look with fresh eyes to see where the Spirit is working in places where you may not expect. My guess is, we may be surprised, and God may call us to join in that work. To all of us gathered here this morning, we are offered grace freely through Jesus Christ. And to all those who believe in him, Jesus offers the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us in our spiritual lives. May the Spirit be ever working among us, calling us to go and join with the mission of God in the world. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, you are constantly changing us, forming us to be more like you. We pray that like Peter, 
you would help transform the difficult, hard places of our hearts that don't quite align yet with your embrace of a larger family. We pray that your power would go to the whole world, that all people may know of your great love for them. We pray this in your name. Amen.